Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become mentally stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cop of murder... Affairs can get messy, and in some cases, they might just cost someone their lives. On October 11, 2016, a trial began in a case that saw not just an affair, but a shocking revelation by the guilty party that he hoped would help the jury sympathize with his motive. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. In the year 2014, 19-year-old Erin Corwin had much to look forward to. Married to her high school sweetheart turned U.S. Marine, John Corwin, and now living in California at the 29 Palms Marine Base, Erin had recently found out that she was pregnant and was eagerly awaiting what would be her mother's first visit since her relocation. Everything was going well, which is why it was all the more shocking when she suddenly vanished on June 28, 2014. Leaving her housing unit at around 7 that morning to scout out some possible trails to walk with her mother once she arrived, Erin made the drive to the Joshua Tree National Park and was never seen again. When told the devastating news, Laura Hevelin, Erin's mother, stated her belief that her directionally challenged daughter, might have simply gotten lost. However, once her abandoned car was found several miles north of the park a few days later, her theories grew more sinister. 
While she rushed to California to help with the search, detectives with the San Bernardino Sheriff's Office began a deep dive into Aaron Corrin's life and pretty quickly discovered some secrets that might have just placed her in harm's way. Aaron Corwin, formerly Hevelin, grew up in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, and was described by those who knew her as quiet, reserved, and shy. In high school, she met the love of her life, Jonathan Corwin, and when she turned 18, the pair got engaged, went to Vegas to elope, and moved to California where he was stationed. Also stationed there was a man named Christopher Lee. Once settled at the military base, John and Aaron quickly became friends with their neighbors, Chris and his wife, Nicole. The couple spent a lot of time together and often went to the White Rock Ranch Horse Rescue in nearby Watsonville, where the ranch's founder, Isabel Megley, noted how strong the bond was between the four young adults. But by Christmas of 2013, she would claim the bond seemed to grow deeper when it came to Chris and Aaron so much so that she even went to Nicole and warned her about the budding relationship. Nicole initially shrugged the whole thing off, telling Isabel that Aaron, who had a miscarriage early in her marriage, was suffering from depression like her husband, and that the pair had simply developed a close bond because of this. But two months later, she was reaching out to John to tell him that his wife and her husband were having an affair. Despite the major blow, John was determined to make things work between he and his wife. And before long, Aaron put an end to the whole affair and found out that she was pregnant. When questioned by the police, John was steadfast that his marriage was back on track and that they were beginning a new and wonderful chapter of their lives. It wasn't until she was reported missing that he learned that the affair between Aaron and Chris was still going strong. In fact, just before her sudden disappearance, Aaron texted a friend back in Tennessee and told him that she was going on a very special trip to the National Park with her lover, a man whom she was planning on starting a new life with. Though she told her friend that she had no clue what he was planning, after the friend sent some ring emojis, she admitted that she was excited about the possibility of a proposal. With John completely oblivious to the continued affair, police began questioning both Christopher and his wife. When asked about his plans with Aaron, Chris, who eventually admitted to the affair after some initial lying, said that on the day that she disappeared, he had been at the National Park by himself to hunt coyotes, and they had shot his gun several times at some rocks. Finding his admission a little odd, and with Nicole refusing to cooperate, police named Chris as a suspect and began searching his home, car, and computer. In doing so, they found a garage and some Google searches about how to dispose of a body. Unfortunately, without Aaron's body and no means to prove that she was no longer living, there wasn't enough to warrant an arrest, and they were forced to release him. Chris was then discharged from the Marines and took Nicole and his young daughter back to Alaska. The investigation came to a sudden stop and threatened to stay that way until Isabel Megley went to the police and said that she remembered the week before Aaron disappeared, hearing Chris mention going to Joshua Tree with a friend to explore some of the mines. While this seemed innocent enough at first, she said that she recalled him mentioning how one was so hidden that, quote, No one would ever find it. With new information fueling the case once again, 
and with the help of a skilled volunteer familiar with the mines, investigators began the search for Aaron Corwin's body. Weeks went by without any luck, and as plans were made to pack in the search effort, one last location was searched, and in the final hours, a bucket was sent down the shaft and, camera attached, captured what appeared to be a body lying at the bottom. Aaron Corwin, just 19 years old, was killed by a combination of blunt force trauma and strangulation from a garrot. And with that, Christopher Lee was finally arrested. According to a spokesperson from the San Bernardino County Prosecutor's Office, Aaron's remains were too decayed to tell if she was truly pregnant and had no way of telling if the baby belonged to Jonathan or to Christopher. Because of this, Chris could not be charged with the second-degree murder of the fetus and instead was only charged with the first-degree murder of Aaron Corwin. His trial began on October 11th, 2016, and during the proceedings, the chain of events that led up to Aaron's death was presented to the jury by Chris himself. Sitting there next to a screen broadcasting photos of Aaron's body, Chris told the courts how he made plans to rendezvous with Aaron at the National Park for what she believed would be a romantic proposal, despite the fact that both were still married. Once there, the pair made their way to the secluded mine and began arguing because Chris, who had been suicidal for the past few months and had allegedly played Russian roulette, wanted to make another attempt right in front of the mine. He claimed the depression stemmed from recently being denied deployment and shocked everyone when he said that part of the reason he was so angry was because he believed Aaron Corwin was molesting his daughter, saying that Aaron often babysat for his six-year-old daughter. And when they met out in the desert that day and she began talking about how excited she was to become the girl's stepmother, Chris suddenly remembered the night where Nicole gave the girl a bath after Aaron had been babysitting and found a, quote, suspicious rash on her private area. He said that it was in that moment, standing in front of the mine shaft, that everything clicked together, and he flat out asked Aaron if she molested his daughter. She allegedly spoke the words, yes, but, and Chris completely lost his control. He said that's when he grabbed the garrote and strangled his lover to death. He said he never planned on taking her life, but when she confirmed his suspicions about his daughter, his intentions changed. Of course, no one was there that day in Joshua Tree. No one who could back his claims or defend Aaron against his allegations. Once he was sure she was dead, he dragged her to that mineshaft opening and threw her down headfirst. With the defense arguing that the murder was not premeditated, the prosecution noted how none of this so-called confession was given to the police and said that the only reason he was saying it now, in front of a jury, was for the attention. On November 3rd, 2016, Christopher Lee was found guilty of first-degree murder and on the 29th was sentenced to life in prison without the chance for parole. When he attempted to appeal his conviction, still claiming he killed Aaron in a fit of anger, the courts denied his claims and said, quote, no one ever raised a concern about Aaron's interaction with the child prior to his claims. He remains in prison. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to a terrible thing happened on October 12th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. 
And remember, stay safe.